Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Leo Varadkar has, he's a great man for giving us stories to talk about, I'll be honest with you. Because uh, the Russia's attack on the Ukraine is a wake-up call for Ireland, according to the Tarnish to Leo Varadkar, said, urging an increase in military spending to defend the island. Referring to Ireland's military neutral stance, Mr Varadkar said that the country may no longer be able to assume it will have the backing of the United States or the United Kingdom if it's ever attacked. Okay. If anything, uh, this attack on the Ukraine should be a wake-up call for us to defend our system and be willing to defend it because a system worth building is a system worth, uh, is worth defending, he said. If the European Union was worth building, it was worth defending. And if our independence is worth securing, it's worth defending. Mr. Varadka added, uh, the assumption that we've made uh, for 70 years is uh, that nobody would attack us because we're a country that's neutral uh, uh, military. So the Ukraine was neutral militarily and it was, wasn't part of any military uh, alliance. It was attacked because political part, the political part of the West, or at least wants to be politically part of the West. And he says, we make the assumption that even if we're attacked, the British and the Americans will come and save us anyway. He said, I'm not sure that's the kind of assumption a sovereign country like ours should make. In February, of course, the Minister for Foreign Affairs and Defence, Simon Covey, admitted that Ireland's defence forces cannot adequately protect us in any form or shape or form if there was ever an attack on the nation. And he was speaking after the publication of a high-level report from the Commission of Defence Forces, which said there is a growing risk of Ireland's land, sea and air being used for belligerent powers to attack its nearest neighbours. And on the 30th of September 2020, the strength uh, at the Permanent Defence Forces was 8,529 personnel, which is comprised of 6,870 Army personnel, 752 Air Corps personnel and 899 Naval Service personnel. And remember, they spent millions in the last 10 years advertising on TV as well, trying to push women into the Army. And how many did they get? Hardly any at all. Nobody really wants to join the Army. And I'll tell you why. It's not because it's not exciting. We have many Irish people go and join the British Army. You might want to call them traders if you like, but that's the option they take because they'll get a skill, they'll see the world, and they get better paid. And that's the big crux of the matter, isn't it? Who wants to go into a job with really crappy wages? Nobody. And it is a job at the end of the day. And it's more than just a job, it's a vocation because you have to protect the country. You have to take up a gun in case of times of war. So we have two options, I believe, and I kind of... I'm half agreeing with Leo Varadkar, but I think it's a bit of a silly comment, to be honest with you. We either have an army or we don't. Currently, by the way, we don't have an army. We have a defence force. Not quite the same thing. So we either have an army or we don't. And if we're going to have an army, we need to pay them properly. We need to have more of them. And we need to spend millions. And I mean millions. If we really believe that we should be able to defend ourselves against those who may be a threat to us. And realistically, there are very few countries that are a threat to Ireland. I suppose... You know, I don't know in future history whether Ireland and England or Ireland and Great Britain will ever be enemies again. Um, I hope not. But they would probably be our closest enemy in the future if that ever happened. I'm just suggesting if that ever happened. So realistically, there are many countries around the world uh, that don't have an army. Um, A lot of them are smaller than us. Some of them are quite a little bit bigger than us. Most of them are reasonably small countries. You know, I could go through the whole list if you want me to, but I'm not going to spend the whole time doing that. But there are 36 countries and territories that do not have a military at all, not even a defence force. There are a lot that have a defence force just like us. It's a small little defence force. 
And then there are many that have full military. Of course, the American military would probably be one of the biggest, China, Russia, and a few others as well. Okay, so today I want to ask you, do you believe that we need a military? And if we do, should we beef it up? Should Ireland increase its army spending? Because that's what we have to do if we want to beef it up. Should we increase the spending on military in this country? Let me know what you think. The number is 87 Should we spend millions, and I mean millions, probably billions to be honest with you realistically, over the next few years, if we want to beef it up? Should we spend that much money? Is it worth it? Do we need it? Or can we just go along and potter along like we're doing at the moment in the hope that if anything ever does happen, that we can rely on the UK and America? To defend us. The number is 87 188 That's 87 188 uh, Let me go to Jerry. Uh, Jerry, you're in Ireland's Classic Hits. How are you doing? Oh, you're nice. Well, Jerry, it's fair to say that our military is abysmal, okay? I mean, look, I'm not having a go with the lads and the women who work there, but, I mean, it's small. You know what I mean? We're not going to defend ourselves at the time of an invasion. We're perfect. Well, I've done 26 years in the army. And... The army was always looked down as a poor cousin. The Gardaí were getting massive money for doing border duty, and the average soldier was walking away after 24 hours with 15 quid in his pay packet. And a guard was walking away with a good few hundred. Mm-hmm. And all the government is is a mouth. They don't care about the defence forces. When the likes of Don Tidy and the border fox, and all these guys have brought the army out because the guards couldn't handle it. And the simple reason is, the government don't want to invest money. This is only um, a way of the government saying, look, we need a bigger army and to defend ourselves. No one's going to attack Ireland like Ukraine. But what we do need... Is well, 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 hang on for a second. Don't say nobody's ever going to attack Ireland. You can't rule that out, right? Oh, well, okay. Because, okay, now the only possibility, theoretically, in my head, would be Britain, right? Now, look, we're good friends with Britain now. Thankfully, that's all resolved and part of history. But who knows what could happen in the future? Oh, yeah, we could have an internal conflict. Mm -hmm. You know, but I understand that. But my point is that uh, for you to have a proper representation abroad, 7,000 soldiers in the army go to 11 on every six months. And the Irish Army has served under NATO in the Bosnia and Kosovo conflict. So, it's not the first time we we um, served under the NATO flag. So, if the Irish government are real about this, buying two ships and throwing bits and bobs straps off the table to the army, it's not going to work because the rank and file in the army are disillusioned and the senior rank and file won't represent it properly. Because they're only worried about their promotion. Because remember, when an officer goes up the rank and he gets confidence, lieutenant colonel and colonel, he's, he's, politi- he's politicized. He's rubbing shoulders with politicians and he's afraid he rocks the boat, represents the men, he won't get promoted. I mean, realistically, the biggest issue with the Irish Army is probably the pay. Um, and we've talked about it for years, okay? So you're never going to encourage people into the Irish Army unless no. you increase the pay. Um, right. Now, that's part of the issue. The other part of the issue is the opportunities. And that's why we see young men 
primarily men, but women too, going to the British Army because the opportunities are better. The same way as we see them in, you know, in our health service. We see nurses and doctors going to the NHS because there's better opportunities for promotion, etc., etc. We're never going to get away from that because we're a small country. So realistically, we're never going to be in a position to defend ourselves um, you know, on our own if we're ever invaded by any country. So I don't know why he's saying this now. I mean, obviously, it's in the news, and the Ukraine is in the news, and Russia is in the news, and there's that fear, I suppose. It's, it's just, it's just uh, beating his chest. Here's an example for you, and then I'm going to leave, because I have to leave the, uh, the van and go on, I'm on speakerphone here at the moment. In certain countries where conscription is mandatory, members are in, in college are members of the politicians do not have to serve in conscription. They're exempt, believe it or not, mm-hmm. in certain countries. So if Ireland was to do that and say, look, we're going to have conscription for two years of your career, everybody should serve, and everybody should serve in the lower ranks, not some politician's son getting a cushy number in ops or intelligence with the army. It just... That's the way I operates. mean, yeah, but when I look, just finally, Jerry, because I know you're in a hurry to go. When I look, why would anyone want to join at three hundred and thirty-four euro a week? Yes, I mean oh. that's you could probably do as well as that if you're on the dole and got and, and got a few quid, you know, for your rent or whatever it is. You could probably do better than that. Well, then, I'm going to finish on this night. I've done twenty-six years in it. Uh, the pay was bad, accommodation was really bad, and the attitude to lower ranks was unbelievably bad. But there was good people in the job. Mm-hmm. And um, the only way I could say it to you is if I had the chance to start my time over it again, I would do it all over again because I really did enjoy the job. It wasn't work. It was enjoyment. But that's just me. Okay, so last comment. You think it would be a waste of money? Sorry, say again? You think it would be a waste of money to pump billions into the Irish Army? Yeah, because, I mean, what are they going to do with it like? I mean, where are they going to go? I mean, you'd have to retrain... <laughs> Look, at the, British, the, the Irish army has taken on an old British army mentality and they haven't got rid of it. It's jolly good show, chap, and as long as we have tea and tiffin, the, the other ranks can go and yep. fight <laughs> their backside, you know? Absolutely. And they're still in that mode. All right, well, listen, I know you have to go there, Jerry. Thank you very much, and I appreciate your, uh, you getting involved in the show today. Let me go to Patrick. Patrick, you're an Ireland's classic kid. How are you doing, Patrick? I'm good, Niall. How's yourself? Good. Patrick, listen to these comments by Leo Varadkar. I suppose, you know, the times that we're in at the moment, we're all concerned, a little bit concerned about, you know, defence and defending our country, you know, in times of need. And, you know, we don't have an army that's capable of defending our country. That's clear. We know that. But should we beef it up? Well, I think they should beef beef up the pay and the conditions for people serving. Um, As you say, you know, we're we're only a small little island and really to defend ourselves hmm that's uh, I doubt it what I was going to say is what I am concerned about is why all of a sudden now has Leo and the government decided oh yeah we'll spend millions now is it because they want us to become part of NATO Mm -hmm. do they want us sucked in so that there's a big European force there I mean, look, well, we're not I, really. I mean, he's making a point that we're, you know, this idea that we're neutral is deceptive. We're not really neutral. No, we're not. Um, no. And we're, we're all well aware of that, that we're not neutral. 
No, we're not. So, neutral, so if we're going to not be neutral, and you know, well, he's kind of more like, and look, I understand what he's saying. It makes sense what he's saying, but in saying that, I don't understand the logic behind it because you yeah. either have an army or you don't. And if you have an army, you spend a lot of money on it. If you don't have an army, you spend no money. But what we're doing at the moment is throwing a few quid in there to have some sort of, I don't know, I don't know the the purpose of it at the moment. We're a peacekeeping force, essentially. Uh, They're they're pointless. And I I don't mean that's the men and women. I don't want to to make disparaging remarks about the men and women of the army because, you know, I have a a lot of respect for them. But the actual army itself or the defence force itself, Uh, it's kind of pointless. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, Niall. You're absolutely right. I mean, look, um, we've only got to look back, and I, I know it's a different thing, but you remember the, the um, research and the paper that Dr. Tom Clonan put out? Yes, yes. About the way females were treated in the armed forces. Now, I served in the Irish Naval Service, and I absolutely loved my job. But when I started, the first ship I went out on was a Second World War wooden minesweeper. Okay. <laughs> a wooden hulled minesweeper. And this thing at sea, talk about being green. This this thing used to do corkscrews. If anything tried to hit hit us, it couldn't, to be honest with you. You yeah. know. But like the accommodation was very poor. I trained on Spike Island. The accommodation we stayed in were old military barracks, right? Concrete floors, one heater in the middle of the barracks. And it was good enough for us as naval service recruits, but not good enough for the prisoners. And they turned it into a prison. All of that had to be, oh, no, you, you can't put prisoners in 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 there. But it, it's, a, it's, it's okay for recruits, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. But the thing, too, is, look... But, but there's no incentive there. at the moment for anybody no. to want to join the Irish Army. Oh, the Irish Army, Navy, or... Yeah, and, yeah, and unless you yeah. have a real passion for it or it runs in your family, I mean, they, as yeah. I said, they they spent a lot of money. I remember there was ads on RTE, particularly trying to encourage women to join, uh, yeah. which was fruitless. And very few people actually joined. They've got very few new recruits. They can't get the numbers they want, and they're yeah. not going to get the numbers they want when there's no money and there's no opportunities. So for us to beef it up and to have something that's as exciting as the British Army for young people to want because most young people nowadays leave college they, they want to go into technology they want to go into careers they don't want to go in with a gun in their hand they just don't want to do it it's, it's just not a modern thing to want to do really is it for a lot of people so the only way to do it is encourage them financially and I don't think we have the money for that I think it would be a waste of money Absolutely look I mean I, look, you're absolutely right. What we should do is stick in the position we're in. We're a small nation. We've proved ourselves with overseas peacekeeping. I served in the Lebanon in 83 mm-hmm. with the 54th Infantry Battalion. And I tell you... And that, that's funded, of course, by NATO or by the United Nations or NATO, isn't oh, it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, as you said, we really are. We're too small. We shouldn't get involved in conflicts of any kind other than if we have to... At our own doorstep, yes. Yeah. And, 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 well, the point Leo was making is we shouldn't be depending, you know, and make the assumption that other countries will help us, the likes of Britain and America, for example, our nearest, or our neighbours on both sides, that we shouldn't be depending... But the thing is, they would help us. Of course they would. Of course, because being honest about it, they'd help us because we can't help... Well, well, look, we would have to obviously be part of NATO for that to happen. You know what uh, I mean? So well, we, we would have to join yeah. NATO for that to happen. Yeah. 
but yeah. but but in but in saying that, we've seen what's happened with the Ukraine at the moment. And even though, you know, they're not part of NATO, we can see what happened, that the rest of the world are condemning Russia's actions. So, you know, although they're not getting directly involved, they are getting involved. If you know Oh, I mean. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, anybody with any kind of moral fibre in them would stand up against what Putin's doing and say, no, mm-hmm. we're not going to do this. We've had enough wars. We've had enough killings. I mean, he doesn't even care about his own troops for god's sake mm-hmm. you know i mean there's there's russian troops that if the stories are true again that they're breaking into supermarkets or asking people to give them food and water i mean i saw, I saw a video i saw a video yesterday of a russian uh, soldier who surrendered to the ukraine ukrainian people and they were feeding him they were giving him tea and food and yeah. he was crying and they they let him ring his mother on facetime Yes. And, and as much as I thought it was really sad, I said, you've just made this man a marked man. He can never return to Russia. No. Because he, no, he, he, he be, he's a traitor. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, that's the way the Russians will look at him, that he's a traitor. And if he ever yes. returns to Russia, he will be killed. Absolutely. I mean, you've only got to look at what they did at the siege of Stalingrad. They sent the Russian troops in, one rifle between three, and each one of them had one round. So if one of them went down... He picked up the rifle, put his round in, fired it. If he went down, the next guy mm-hmm. picked, picked, picked it up. It's just, to be honest with you, to me, I, I cannot get my head around it. I, it's insanity. Of I, I, you know, I, and, and, I, and I agree with you. And I genuinely thought, going back a few years ago, that war as we know it, with weapons and guns, yeah. would be something of the past in the future, that we have learned that we have become more civilized in the way we deal with problems and border problems, et cetera, et cetera, that, yeah. we, that we use the pen as mighty than the sword, as we all know, but that we will deal with things in a more civilized manner, but it seems not. It seems not. So we'll stay there for a second because I want to go to Billy as well. Billy, you're on Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Billy? Good afternoon. No, how are you? Good. No, so Leo Bradk is more or less saying what we're doing at the moment is a complete waste of time. We're, we're not fooling anybody. We're not really neutral, essentially, is what he's saying. You know, this idea that okay. it's deception, you know, saying we're neutral. And that if we're going to have an army, well, we might as well have a good one. So, so Niall, in the Constitution, there's nothing that says that we're neutral and we're not signed up to anything around neutrality, number one. No, number two, do you know what the, what the spend on defence in Ireland is at the moment? Couldn't tell you, but you're going to tell me, I'm sure. I'm going to tell you. It's 0.3% of GDP. It's about 800 million euro a year. Which is fec so all in the big scheme of things. That, cover, that covers maintenance of, of barracks, maintenance of equipment, pay, and covers pensions for former members of the Defence Forces that have left. As far as I'm aware, it's the only arm of the government that takes its pension from its, its own pot rather than the central pension pot. So the Defence Forces is run on a shoestring. And then you look at the Department of Defence in Newbridge, which has a huge staff in comparison to the 8,600 number that you gave earlier on. Mm-hmm. So... You know, there's there's a there's a there's a jobs for the boys type thing going on here with the with the department. So you, what you're telling me is we probably spend more in administration than we do with the men and women that are actually out doing the job. I, I'd say there's a lot spent on the administration. What absolutely disgusts me, though, Niall, is that there's members of the defence forces who have families who are on the ha- uh, on the HAP scheme because their weekly pay does not. Oh, they're on a family income supplement. Yes, they're on family exactly. income supplements. I mean, look, you're not you're not on a decent wage. If I look at the wages here, okay. You're not on a decent wage until you get to, say, a sergeant major who's on about 730. And, and, I, and I'll, 
I'll tell you what, there's about 12 of those in the country. I mean, I'm looking here, recruit 334, private 2 star 410, private 3 star 427, corporal 512, uh, which is still nothing in today's money, to be honest with you, when you look at the cost of living. Sergeant 561, how many sergeants are there? Um, a senior petty officer 650, or comms. Uh, co- uh, company sergeant 662, and then you're up to sergeant major at 739. Now, it goes on after that to the second lieutenant captains. So, so you mentioned the, the British Army there a few minutes ago and, and, you know, what they have. But, like, what we inherited from the British when they left was a load of barracks. That You know, I, yeah. I think we built one barracks since the British had left and we shut that one down. I think it was Kildare. And that's been down since. No, well, we sh- we've, shut down, we've shut down a few barracks, haven't we? We shut down, we shut down a lot of them and they've been yeah. all, all sold off and that money... That money is spent and long gone, so shutting down more barracks isn't going to fix that. I used to, when I was in the I FCA, did, I was in a barracks there up beside the National Stadium. What was, oh, Griffith Barracks, that's gone, isn't it? Griffith, Griffith's wet, long gone now. It's, a, it's, it's in the college in there now. Oh, Griffith College, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But now, the, the accommodation hasn't been updated. Like, it's, it's been updated to keep it livable, but it hasn't, you haven't had a, a, a bulldozer in to knock and build brand new accommodation. So if you go into the British Army and you finish training, you're on a base. You have a room, a single occupancy room with an ensuite and a, you know, a drying room in there for your kit. The lads in the Irish Army don't have that. They might be two. You might as well, yeah, you might as well room. be a Mountjoy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 a ridiculous situation. Like. You well, about, well, well um, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you, Billy. And I'm sorry I'm a little bit stuck for time, but, but what you're essentially saying is it's not attractive. And it isn't attractive. It's not attractive. No, so, but, but here's the thing. There's, there's, there's two things here to say. We either have an army or we don't. Because there's no point yeah. in doing piggy in the middle, which is what we've been doing for the last, God knows, 80 years or whatever it is. So there's no point in doing, you know, this little, you know, uh, I suppose, this spending a few quid and hoping for the best. And should we have a defence force there? We'll send them over, do a few peacekeeping missions, or we'll send them out into the Mediterranean to pick up a few, uh, you know, refugees or whatever it is that we happen to do every now and again. And, and all that being very good, I'm not suggesting it's not, and I'm not having to go with the men and women, but it's a pretty useless defence force, isn't it? There's not, there, there isn't well, enough of them well, there. Well, Niall, it, it, the one thing that I would say in the last two weeks that the world has realised is that neutrality does not protect you from aggressors. That's number one. And if you know, if, if you don't have the ability to look after yourself, you're relying on other people to come to your aid. And you know, we, we look at Ukraine, the US and the UK and Germany, France. They're sending aid, but they're not sending boots on the ground. So if that was to happen to us, I would think that we would be in a very similar situation to Ukraine. Now, we're, we're probably not going to be able to hold off a massive invasion long-term, but, you know, we, we should be able to adequately put up some element of defence. Yeah, but to do that, you're going to need 50,000 people. 1% of GDP, Nile. Yeah, okay, but what I'm saying, that, that's, okay, we're looking, to, to defend this country properly as an army, and to have a proper army, you know, uh, per head of population similar to Britain, similar to America, similar to most other countries, um, you, well, I suppose decent-sized countries, independent countries, you would need to have probably 50,000 soldiers on the ground. Well, well, Niall, there's not a lot of armies in Europe that has a standing army of 50,000. You're talking the big four, maybe. But what do the other, the other defence forces have is a strong reserve core that they can call up at a time of need. You don't need people to go in and, you, you know, you need a, a cadre... So you're saying put the money into the FCA, or, well, the, the, no, re- the reserves? Saying, I'm saying put the money into defence, Niall, and where it goes in defence then, it would be filtered down. But you do need to have a, a strong, 
a strong number of reservists in the country. If you look at Finland, Sweden, Austria, uh, all neutral countries all have a big, big reserve component. Uh, all serve overseas, and, and Sweden and Finland have served with Ireland overseas in, on UN missions in the past. But the guys will come back and, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll go over and discover these guys are reservists that are on these UN missions. So, you know, if you want to have strength in, in, in defence. You need to have a strong but, core reserves. But, but, it's, yeah, but it's not only that, it's the, sorry for interrupting you, Billy, it's the opportunities. When you look at the British Army, even over the last four or five years, their numbers have increased. Now, and of course, just to mention as well, what you're saying is right, they have a large volunteer reserve as well, which is 37,000 people, right? But, I mean, their numbers have increased, even like in the last four years, it's gone from 146,000 to 149,000 professionals in the army in Britain, Right. I mean, mm-hmm. so in other words, if they're invaded tomorrow, they have some chance. Um, we have no chance. Now, we have five million people in this country. Um, well, if you want to count in the six counties as well, we've nearly seven million people in this country. So realistically, we would need to have a fair few people in there. And to get them in there, you have to give people opportunities and money. So it's not just the money. OK, let's beef up the salary and double it and give, you know, recruits five or six hundred quid rather than three hundred and thirty four. But then you have to have opportunities for them to get into engineering, you know, aircraft engineering, whatever it is, or mechanics. But, or but Niall, in order in order to have those opportunities, you need to invest. It's it's not a it's not a chicken and egg, or sorry, it is a chicken and egg here. Which is going to come first, those opportunities or the investment you need to to get the equipment to have those opportunities? So unless you put the money in, you're not going to have the opportunities for the people to attract them in. You talked about people in going into IT. I, I work in IT. Um, you know, it's it's the case that here we, we in the army they do have an IT core that should be used in cyber defence and you know protecting cyber uh, cyber resiliency. In absolutely, which is the future of war, by the way. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's one it's one front of the future of war. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned aircraft mechanics. Like I, uh, every time the Commission on Defence report came out. The big buzzword with with the usual suspects was, "Oh, we want to buy fighter jets." It's like you don't you don't understand the broader spectrum there. Of you know, we, we can't see out into the western part of the island outside of the border. We can't see what the, what's going on in the Atlantic Ocean. We don't know if a Russian bomber or fighter comes in and turns off its transponder. We have zero visibility on it. Okay, but look, I have to go to a break. Finally, Billy, just on this matter that Leo is saying, he's more or less saying we need to go one way or the other. He doesn't agree that we're neutral, by the way. He believes that's deceptive. And he's probably right to some degree. Uh, Anyway, so, I mean, do we do it or do we not do it? Do we just leave it as it is or or not even bother at all or do we spend a fortune? You're going to be shocked now with my response for listening to me, but we invest. We have to invest in defence. Billions, yeah. you You mentioned, Niall, that you thought war was over. Yeah. The last two weeks have proven we are we are in a very very different Absolutely. world today, and that's sad. It is sad. Ago. It is sad because I so, genuinely, I genuinely believed, you know, by the time I got to the end of my life, that we wouldn't be seeing, you know, people standing, you know, face to face with guns in their hands. That war would be fought online, and war would be fought on the internet, and war would be fought in the House of Commons and in the White House, or be it in uh, government buildings in Dublin. I genuinely thought that's how war would be fought with words, and, and and that should be the way it should be fought. By the way, but.
and sadly in, Billy in an like ideal it. world absolutely yeah. alright listen Billy thanks very much indeed uh, the number is 087-188-0008 that's 087-188-0008 Leo Vrank suggesting we should have a better military stop this idea basically of you know he didn't say this I'm paraphrasing um, stop this idea of pretending we're neutral if we're ever invaded we can't be depending on the UK and America to help us out or the world to help us out we need an army we don't have an army Everybody calls it the Irish Army. They're the Irish Defence Forces. They're not actually an army. They're there to defend because essentially we're neutral. But do we need a military? A proper army? And I kind of agree with him in one sense. We either do it or we don't. And if we don't, we might as well scrap what we have. I'm not saying put all the men and women out of work, by the way. They can be certainly moved into Angarda Shikana, etc. We've talked about this before. Because there are countries around the world with small populations who don't have an army and don't have a defence force. So we either do it or we don't. I want to know what you think. The number is 087-188-0008. Let me go to George. George, you're in Ireland's Classic Hits in a very noisy car by the sounds of things. Hey, George. Hi, and I, I apologise for the wind coming in through a door. Ah, you're okay. You're okay. You need to get a new seal on the door. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, George, I mean, you served in the army for 14 years and your brothers, your father, they all served in the, the army. Actually, I believe your father was in the Congo. My father was in the Congo, Nile. He was in uh, Jadavel. I was he going was to say a, that. Yeah, he was a hero. He uh, he rescued the, the one and only soldier that got wounded. And when they came back to this country, they were all treated like cowards. Now, George, did I speak to you on the air about two years ago when we when we talked about the siege of Jadavel? Yes, you did indeed, sir. Yes. And you, you and you told me the whole story. It was a, such an intriguing story. And actually, do you know what? When we put that onto our website. Um, on the podcast, it was one of the most downloaded podcasts we've ever had. Well, Niall, I tell you, when I was listening to the story there about the Irish Army and about the way they're treated and the money and the wage and families, and don't forget, I have a big family myself, and to survive, I had to do two or three different other jobs just to try and get extra money to keep the, te- keep the food on the table. I know, it's I, shocking. I still have nephews that are serving. We have a barracks in Mullingar that's closed down 10 years. And if you Google that barracks, the history behind it goes back further than the Guinness storehouse. I know, and a lot. Of, I, I think it's been it's it's open now for businesses and offices are using the spaces where the the barracks was. It, 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 the, the Irish guards are using the Ranger Wing. The GA are using the gym. You yeah. know, it, you know they're using has tea rooms and. There's weeds, there's everything growing all over the place. It? But, it's, it's, but as somebody said rightly earlier on, George, I can't remember which caller it was or contributor it was, said we need to get a bulldozer to most of these barracks and rebuild them anyway. Well, the history behind this barracks, now, you would not dare nothing. No, 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 I'm not suggesting that. You know, but I'm just talking about, I'm talking about the conditions that the men and women of the army are living in. You know, I mean, and when you look comparison to say the British Army or the American military, you know the way they're treated. Why would you want to, unless you have a passion for it? Why would you want to join the army? Now we have a great workforce in this country. It wouldn't take a whole lot for a crowd to go in there and sort that barracks out, or even any other barracks that was closed down in this country. It wouldn't take a whole lot to sort out. If we're bringing in construction workers from other parts of the European Union to work in our own country, and I see it everywhere I go companies coming from the north, companies coming from England to do jobs in this country that we can do ourselves, but we just won't pay the workers. 
In relation to the comments by Leo Varadkar, more or less suggesting that, you know, the, the idea of neutrality is deceptive. Um, that's, he, he used the word ruse, which by definition means deceptive. In other words, we're not really neutral, that we should have a proper military, maybe, rather than this kind of half-arsed attempt that we have at the moment of a defence force. Is he right? Should we spend millions and beef it up? Well, not only should we spend money, but the European Union should spend money. NATO should spend money. We should bring them into this country. They're already flying in and our Shannon non-stop for people who are passing comments on the dollar. If they start pumping money into this country, we'd be far better off. So we sh- are you suggesting we should join NATO? Of course we should. Look, we send, we send soldiers overseas. I served overseas. We lost, we lost people overseas. Our people died overseas the whole lot. But to get the recognition of that, our Irish government will make more money of every Irish soldier serving in UN than the Irish soldier was getting themselves taken home to his wife and family. Now, there's something wrong with that scenario. You know, when, when the likes of Norway and other uh, countries went, they got the full amount of money from the, the UN. For every soldier only got pittance compared to those. Well, when, I, when I look at the wages there, and I'm looking at the screen and the salaries that are paid to the Irish Army and members of the Irish Army, it is pittance, you are right. I mean, I mean, it's no wonder nobody wants to join when they put out and they spend millions on recruitment campaigns on TV or whatever it is, and they get very few recruits. It just—it's it, no wonder they don't want to join. Nile, I, I had a son in the Ranger Wing. I mean, the elite, and he left to take the paint and the decoration because there's more money in it. That's incredible. You know, like, come on, our country, our government need to wake up. There's people out there, families that are in poverty because of the wages that they're getting from this state. And you can see the likes of politicians getting pay rises every second or third year by 4 or 5%. For what? Like, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at some of the text coming in here. Somebody says, any Irish politician promoting an end to our neutrality should either A, immediately be drafted into the army, regardless of gender, age or physical condition, and shipped overseas, or B, be made to choose which of their, their, their own children should take their place. Uh, okay, so in relation to what was said by a previous caller as well, should, you, should we have a conscription for, say, I don't know, voluntary forces, like similar to the FCA we had many years ago, I suppose, or the reserves, which I was in the FCA, um, should we focus a lot on that too to have reserves on the ground in case we ever need them? Of course, Niall. And there's a lot of young guys out there that are hanging around housing estates, nothing to do, sitting at home, doing their parents' heads in. Get them into the FCA, get them into the army, train them, give them an education, show them exactly how to look after themselves because they're not learning it at home and they're not learning it on the street. Okay, so you would be, you, I mean, how many, many men and women do you believe we need for a population of 5 million? When we look at Britain, say, with 69 million, and they've 150,000 in the army, um, and that's not including their reserves, another 50,000 reserves or so, and God knows how many extras as well. How many people do you need? We think we, or believe we need in the army? Well, at the moment, I we're really, really under strength because... Well, it's abysmal, isn't it? A lot of people have retired and they haven't been replaced. So to build the Irish Army up and the Navy and the Air Corps, we, we need to triple it. And we, need, and we need to make it attractive. We need to give them opportunities, you know, in careers, for example, in IT and, uh, you know, aircraft engineering, etc., etc. So we need to give them opportunities. Even the equipment, Nile. We're, we're, we're way behind with I mean, equipment. absolutely. Look at the amount of men and women in the last 10 years who have gone to join the British Army from Ireland. I, you, can you blame them? Because no, I couldn't blame them. They're getting to see the world. You know, they'll get an education, they'll get a career. 
You know, you joined the guards in this country, and when you retire after 30 years, the only two things you can do in the guards is drive a bus or do security. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. They need, they need, I'm sorry it's such a bad line, but it's lovely to talk to you again, George. And maybe someday we'll get you on again to tell us your story about the siege of Janaville because it was so intriguing the last time and so many people enjoyed listening to it, uh, to the history of Ireland and the men that were over in the Congo. Thank you very much indeed, George. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.